Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Father, I thank you and praise you for the opportunity that we can come together in your presence as your body. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. We welcome you to have your way. Lord, I thank you for the word of God that is living and active and powerful and that can separate bone from mirror. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the way and the truth and the light. And you said that we would know the truth and the truth will set us free. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we welcome truth and we welcome the Spirit of the Lord to bring freedom into our lives. Lord, I thank you for the transformation that is happening in our lives and in our families and in our places of of work and, and in this region and in the nations. So, Lord, we right now posture ourselves in humility and meekness to receive your word. And I thank you that you spoke to me this morning that there's anointing to break yokes and that there's anointing to heal divisions. And like, I don't pretend to know what that is, but I'm just thanking you for it because I know it's good. And so, Lord, I thank you for that anointing. I ask that your word would go forth from my mouth. I ask for ears to hear, hearts to receive. I ask that... um, there would be no, um, no interference in any realm, in any way from what you desire. In Jesus' name. Oh, let's just pause for a moment in his presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you would open up your Bible to uh, Matthew 16. We're talking about living through the cross. And um, actually, I um, was speaking on this last week and, and... in the middle of it, I was just like, I don't think I can finish it. So can we continue on? So I, I really would encourage you. Um, we have a podcast and I'd encourage you to, I'm going to kind of highlight. I feel like you're, you're stepping into the middle of something we started last week. So I'd encourage you to um, listen to that. You can find it on the website or through iTunes. But so through the cross. We looked at Matthew um, 16, we're going to start at verse 24, but we looked at um, Matthew 16, and then the thing that, well, let me just read the scripture. Jesus said to his disciples, 
If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever desires to lose his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange of his soul? I'm going to read a couple other versions when we think about, I mean, I don't think this is the first time you've ever heard pick up your cross and follow after Jesus. But I I believe that the Lord is um, expanding Uh, I know in my own life, he's been teaching me um, about not just coming to the cross and kneeling down and surrendering, but to actually live in a place that everything that I am facing comes through the cross. So it's a little bit paradigm shift. And Jesus said that we were to pick up our cross and follow after him. And a lot of times we think about the cross in the sense of when he died and he rose again. But he actually spoke to his disciples way before he even told them that he was going to a physical cross. About picking up a cross and following after him. Last week we talked about how Peter had had the revelation. Like who do people say that I am? Jesus asked his disciples, who do do people say that I am? And some said, well, you're, some say you're John the Baptist, or some say you're a prophet, or some say, and Jesus kind of peered in and said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, he said, you are the son of God. And Jesus immediately said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the spirit of God. And on this revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. And I'm going to give you the kings of the king, the keys of the kingdom. And then shortly after that, it says that Jesus began to teach them that he'd have to suffer and go to the cross. And Peter, the same Peter that had just had that revelation said, oh, and let it not be ever that happen. And Jesus rebuked saying, and he said, get behind me, Satan. And then he began to say in these verses, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So last week we talked about the cross in Jesus's life before he ever came to the cross. And how those things he experienced are common things that we experience in our day-to-day life. You may have even experienced those things already this morning or maybe this week. I think it's very likely. I'm not going to go all into the detail of it. That's why I really want to encourage you to um, listen to that message from last week. But just think about it. The king and creator of the universe. He was the living word of God made flesh. He, He spoke in his being. And yet he humbled himself into humanity of of an infant baby born in a stable. Subject to... Not only parents, but broken humanity. And so when we in our day-to-day lives have those moments with broken humanity, there's a way that I believe we can come and experience that through the cross. 
And then Jesus, when he was 12 years old, he found himself um, in, the, in, the tab- in the temple synagogue's teaching and his parents left and they're, they're looking and they're wondering, where, where is Jesus? They've gone two, two days of journey. Where is he? Where is he? And they run back to Jerusalem looking for him and they find him in this synagogue and the people are marveling. And they're like, Jesus, what are you doing here? And he said, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? You know, a lot of times we think about Jesus and he's fully God. So we lose sight of the fact that he, he literally, when he walked in humanity, everything he did, he said, I only do what I see what the father doing. He didn't live in his, I mean, he was fully God, but he, he, he lived as a fully man dependent on obedience to the father and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he wants to take, you know, he says in John, greater things will you do in my name because I go with the people of the Father. And I believe he wants to take the church to those greater things. But for us to actually go to those greater things, we have to learn how to lay down our life, pick up our cross and follow after him and live through the cross. And a lot of times we can look at the the miracles and see that Jesus had authority over the demons and and yes, and and authority over sickness and yes, all those things. And he says, all that authority I give to you. And yet he walked in that authority because he was submitted to the cross. You guys with me? Is it making sense? Y'all are real quiet. So Jesus, he says to his parents, you know, didn't you know I had to be about the father's business? And then it said that he submitted himself to his parents. He went back with them. He was 12. It was, he was 30 before he actually even, he was hidden. You know, and I, the thing is, is like, I'm so passionate to see all of us come into the fullness of what he's promised for us and through us. But it's sometimes there's a waiting, sometimes there's a delay. And sometimes we get so excited and we just get way ahead of him and we're doing things in our own strength and our own way. And we have to learn how to, as Jesus did, to live following him, picking up our cross and following after him. So Jesus, he learned obedience. He was subject to his parents. And then he, he gets baptized. You know, John the Baptist, you know, he's like, I shouldn't be baptizing you. And Jesus said, it needs to be done this way. And so John baptizes him. And the heavens open and the spirit of God comes down like a dove and a voice, audible voice, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. And then it says the spirit led him to the wilderness. And so last week we talked about how sometimes Picking up our cross and following after him will actually lead us into a wilderness that isn't because you've sinned. Jesus hadn't sinned. It it was just because that's what needed to happen. And as he was in that wilderness, it says he, he didn't eat for 40 days. And we talked about he was hungry. Like not just 
like a little stomach rumbling, his muscles begin to break down. And it's interesting. So he's feeling that, that struggle. You know, Jesus, uh, or in Hebrews, it says that there's no temptation that's not common to men. Jesus experienced all temptation, and yet he didn't sin in any moment. But he's in that struggle, and the enemy is right there. And he begins to bring all these accusations and questions. Well, did God really say? And if you are really the son of God, then here, take these stones and turn them into bread. The enemy was encouraging him to take a downgrade. The enemy was encouraging him to to step out of, I'm only going to do what I see the father doing. He he had him stand up and said, all this I'll give to you if you'll just bow down and worship. Well, I mean, Jesus, it was already his. And yet the enemy was right there. And so I'm telling you that the very struggles, listen to it, the very things that Jesus experienced, those are common things that daily we have to make sure that we're not like downgrading and and stepping into things outside of what he's saying. And with it, we're actually to pick up our cross and follow after him. And then it says that um, the spirit led him. He came up out of the wilderness full of the spirit of God. He goes and he, he reads the Torah and everybody's all excited that, that you can spend time reading it this week if you want. Um, but their spirits are like, who is this? They feel the anointing, the presence. And then within a second, it turned and he's experienced rejection. Wait a second. Isn't this, isn't this Joseph's son? Who is he? So Jesus says, anyone who desires to come after me, let him to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. In the Passion Translation, if you want to truly follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. As you continually surrender to my ways, if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your life for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives to yourself, you forfeit what you try to keep. Even if you were to gain all the wealth and all the power of this world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life, what good would it be? What more valuable than your own soul? And see, this message, I just want to say, it is faith comes from hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. And the thing is that what really Jesus wants to lead us to is resurrection, but it only comes through the cross. In the message It says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal of it is you get everything you want, but you lose yourself. What could you ever trade for your own soul? So I want to pick up, that was just kind of a review. <laughs> I want to pick up you know, the thing is 
is if I've come to say, Lord, here I am, a sinner. Have mercy, have forgiveness. I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. The abundant life that you have for me. See, the, the, the temptation is to turn around and then live life for myself. That's the temptation. And what we really need to do is to go now. Everything comes through this. Because I was bought with a price. And my life is not my own. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And so, you know, the thing is, is that, yes, Jesus, I mean, he loves us. And it's like, we can only love him if we understand how much he, he loves us and has a plan for your life. But I'm going to tell you, that plan's only going to come learning how to live through the cross. I think a lot of times we're like, God, over here, bless what I'm doing. And he's like, actually, come over here. <laughs> bless what I'm doing. Partner with what I'm doing. And it feels like death because yourself and everything you want and desire is dying. But that's the only way life and abundant life can come. And it'll be better. Because see, the thing is, if we're over here, we're actually losing the source of life. And I'm not saying you're not saved. But I'm talking about when we want to see the kingdom come. And we want to see the power of God. He's not going to get, he shouldn't allow it to flow without us living here. That's dangerous. I don't want, I, I don't want him to bless anything over here in myself. I want to be found here. First Corinthians, Paul, see, Paul understood this. And you read anything he wrote and you will see this thread. Do you not know your Bible is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, you can trust, no matter how scary it is, it really is the most blessed place to be. Because nobody else is going to lay down his life and die when we didn't deserve it. We, we, we just didn't. And yet he's like, I so much want fellowship. And here's the thing. This is the sweetest of fellowships. First Peter 4, 12, beloved, do you not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is here to try you, try you. Now, this was in my notes before it came out earlier today. Beloved, 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 
(laughs) Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. As though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. All right, I'm going to bring it down to a practical realm. These are things that Jesus experienced that we may, at some point in our life, experience as we are picking up our cross and following after him. Because then when it's happening, if it happens, then you can remember I'm just experiencing what Jesus did. And there's a fellowship with him in this place. So look at Mark 3. Starting at verse 20. Then the multitude came together so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people, his family, heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him and they said, this is his family, about Jesus, he's out of his mind. Jesus was misunderstood by his family. It is possible when you are living so surrendered, I'm only going to do what I see the Father doing. I'm picking up my cross no matter the cost, and I'm going to follow after Jesus. It's possible you may have family members that don't understand that. And they actually say, they're insane. They're crazy. Take comfort. Verse 22. And the scribes came down from Jerusalem. And they said about Jesus, he has Bezelzebub. And by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. It's even possible, not only your family that doesn't know Jesus, but maybe even people in the church. That do not rightly understand. But to learn how to live through the cross. Okay? Turn to Luke 9. So living through the cross, you might find yourself in a wilderness. You might find yourself needing to walk in obedience. You might find yourself being tested. You might find yourself misunderstood from your family. You might find yourself misunderstood from the religious community. And you know what? It might also touch your home. Might touch your possessions. (laughs) 
And see, the thing is, is that I was thinking about um, Peter and John. And I know we've talked about this before. We get so just, I remember when my kids were little and um, they'd love to tell me about what the other person, the other one wasn't doing or should be doing. You know, you know what I'm talking about as parents? You know, and I think sometimes we can do that too. Well, well, why, why, why do they get that when I'm over here? Stay in your own lane. <laughs> Be where he has you. You know, Peter, if Jesus tells Peter, you know, you're going to be led where you don't want to go. And Peter's first response is, well, what about him? All that to say that, you know, sometimes I'm going to say some things. It may not be ever that God's saying this for you, but it might be that he is saying it for you and he's not saying it for someone else. But don't be stumbled and tripped up because he's telling you something. If it's in the confines of his word and he's speaking it to you and you know he's telling you to do it, then pick up the cross and follow him. So Luke 9 verse 57 And it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I just love Jesus because I think most of us have said that until it touches our comfort. And that's okay. It's like Peter's like, it's okay. Like, I see the yes in you. I also see your weak flesh, but we're going to work that out. I've been a good work. I'm going to carry it to completion. I'm not finished with you yet. And, if, if, and when we begin to understand the grace that he has for us as we're growing, and then we begin to actually, not, when we understand that, then it becomes an avenue for grace for where everybody else is on their journey. That's good news. And this is what Jesus said. Foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Now, I think most of us probably have a place that we are laying our head right now. But there may be a time. I don't know. I just know I want to follow him. I want to approach every situation when I'm in through the cross. And then he said to another, Follow me. And the guy said, well, Lord, let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom. Now, I used to really struggle with that. Because I'm thinking his dad has died. And Jesus is saying, just walk away and follow me. And I was like, wait. But I'm going to read that out of the Passion Translation. Jesus, so he said, Jesus turned to another and said, come, be my disciple. And he said, someday I will, Lord, but allow me to first fulfill my duty as a good son and wait till my father passes. Because that's a little bit different of a perspective. And actually what's tied into that, if you kind of read between the lines, is the inheritance, the worldly possession that can be received. I want to be near I don't want to be over here. And Jesus said, don't wait for your father's burial. Let those who are already dead wait for death 
But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere God's kingdom has arrived. And another one said, Lord, I'll follow you. But first let me go and bid them farewell who were at my house. And Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In the passion, Jesus says, why do you keep looking backward to your past and have second thoughts about following me? When you turn back, then you're useless for God's kingdom realms. And, and, and I don't know that it's talking about salvation, but what if it is talking about the kingdom is at hand? Okay, look at Mark 10. Verse 17. As he was going on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and said, Good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and he said, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him and loved him. Could you imagine? He's like seeing right there in love. And he said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. So we can't have and, and the thing is, I'm not saying go home and sell everything. <laughs> but I am saying, I don't believe Jesus wants our stuff in our home, in our relationships to take preeminence. In fact, he wants us to live an abundant life. But it can't take preeminence of living through the cross. Okay. He was sad at the word, verse 22, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, Jesus spoke that to him, I believe, because he knew, Jesus knew, what had a hold of his heart. He may speak something different to you because he knows it might be fear of man, man's approval, fear of death, fear of harm, it could be who or possessions. It doesn't, he knows. And that's why it's really important that we don't like try to take what he's saying to you and try to put it on everybody else. That becomes religion. 
It's all about a relationship. He knew how to, to look at that young man who really didn't even know what was inside his own heart. I think a lot of times we don't really know what's inside of our own heart until he tells us to do something. And he's saying, you're going to follow me? It seems like death, but I know what's on the other side. Then Jesus looked around at his disciples and he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches. So once again, am I going to trust in the riches? I'm going to trust in the cross and in Jesus. It's a trust issue. Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. This past summer, the Lord was speaking to us as a house about this very thing. About actually how the camel, what that is, is the eye of a needle was a gate in the city and the camels would carry and they'd be full of all these, you know, treasures from other lands. And to get them in, you had to unload the camel and the camel had to get on its knees and be drugged through. See, sometimes we hold on to what we think is right and hold on to what, I mean, what if Jesus had held on and just said, well, yeah, I am supposed to have all the kingdoms. I think I'll just do what you're saying. It had been a compromise. Sometimes, you know, we want to hold on so tightly and he's saying, would you just let go and trust me, pick up the cross and follow what I'm saying. They were greatly astonished saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them. Here's the key. With God, it's impossible. Without God, it's impossible. For with God, all things are possible. And here's Peter. I love him. Peter began to say, well, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus answered and he said, Surely I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. You know, when we moved up here, this scripture, so many people said that to us. Oh, you know, so much. Anybody, because I mean, we were living in Atlanta. Um, we loved, I loved our life there. And um, the Lord tells us to, to leave and come up here and plant a church. And I really didn't want to do that, honestly. <laughs> and, um, 
but we came, and then everybody was like, oh, you know, and they'd read the scripture, you know, hundredfold. I didn't see that with persecutions until this week. I'm like, oh my goodness, I could have saved so much trouble if I'd understood that there would be a wrestle the whole entire time. (laughs) So like Anna has chosen to leave everything she's known to go, but has there been some struggle? Yeah. (laughs) And you know, Anna loves her mom and her mama loves Anna, but you know what they love more than each other? Jesus. And they want to see the kingdom come and his will be done. And if that means one of them being in China and one of them being here, then they're going to live in faith in the cross. They're picking up and following after him. He doesn't call all of us to go. Some of us want to go and he's saying, I want you to stay right now. In Matthew 10. Verse 16. Behold, I send you a sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour that you should speak. It is not you who speaks, but the Spirit, your Father, who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against their parents and cause them to be put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you and the city flee to another, for surely I say to you, will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man. Look at verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher and a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he should be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house, Bezelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Listen, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And I, you know, I love to feed on the dessert of life. But sometimes we need to, I feel like I'm spooning some things that we just prefer not to chew on. (laughs) And yet, regardless of, it may be an encounter this week at work when immediately you just feel your flesh rise up and you just want to react. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean, but it's like, am I going to approach this situation? Jesus, what are you saying? How do I respond? How do you look in this place? What does the cross look for me in this place? 
You know, Jesus, and, and, and like, I can't tell you how many times this simple prayer helps me. When I think about Jesus in the garden, and he, he tells his you know, closest disciples, hey, I need, I need you to pray with me. I'm feeling pretty weak. Would you, would you watch and you pray? And he, he leaves them and he, and he goes and he sees, he knows what's about to happen. See, this thing, it's not like you just put on this, oh yeah, I just followed the girl. I mean, it's a wrestle. <laughs> and Jesus understands that. But he cried out and he's like, Father, take this cup away from me. So it's okay if there's some things you're facing. You're like, take it away. (laughs) But not my will, but your will be done. Because listen, he's good. He only does good. So, you know, a lot of times we get so concerned about being removed from the trial. He's like, I'm with you and I want to bring you through. And as I bring you through, you're going to come up full of spirit and resurrection life. But are you going to come to a place that you can say, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And you think about it. Jesus, in that 24 hours, see, like we've kind of worked through his life a little bit. But you think about that. He then, they come in, his friend, his disciple, one of the 12, come and kiss him to point out who he was. He's betrayed with a kiss and all of them scatter. Every one of them. And he's taken before and he's beaten and, and stripped and, and nailed to this cross and it's painful and they're, they're jeering him. All those things that he experienced a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. It's all happening. And in the moment he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So I just encourage you the next time you're in a situation, your heart's breaking and you're being misunderstood or you're being judged. Oh, Jesus, forgive them. Do you know people don't go out and try to hurt you? I mean, there might be some, but, you know, on purpose. But most of the people need to realize what they're doing. You've maybe hurt some people and you don't even realize you did it. But what if we got, what if the body of Christ got to the point at that moment when it's there, Lord, this hurts, but forgive them. I'm not going to be offended because, and, and here's another thing. What about offense? Guard your heart against offense. In the last days, it says the love of many will grow cold and there'll be many offenses. Do you think we have a society right now that gets offended over everything? We are so touchy. You know, think about John the Baptist. He knew from the moment Jesus walked in the room in his mother's womb. He leapt. He recognized Jesus. He, he grew up and he heard, he saw the, the dove, the, the spirit come down. He heard the voice. He knew Jesus is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. And he's in prison. And he's like, go, go to Jesus and, and could you ask him if he's the one? Or should we look for somebody else? He didn't understand why I'm in this prison. Even though he understood he must increase, I must decrease. So he knew, but he didn't know. Is he really the one? 
And Jesus says, hey, go back and tell John this. The blind see, the dead are here, or the dead are here. And, and he goes on, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Ask the Lord, Lord, is there any place I'm holding on to unforgiveness? Is there any place that I have become offended with you because it's not what I thought it would be? And take it, not just to the cross and leave it, but take it and go, I need your perspective. And I want to live this through the cross. You know, the kingdom of God, and this is the thing, it's not like you have to, you know, we're not, we're not being nailed to this cross. In fact, everything we've ever done has been. But the thing is, is that just as Jesus died on that cross, he rose again in the same spirit of God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So it's not like you have to figure it out on your own. The spirit of the living God is in you. And it's in me to help us live in this way. And his kingdom is that of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what if we could begin to find this place in him? No matter what's happening out here, there's peace and joy. Because the Spirit of God is in me. See, all of a sudden, the faith rises. That is our lot. That is our inheritance. Because when you realize it's not my life, I was bought for a price, but His kingdom's here is within me. Righteousness, peace, and joy, no matter what. That's how Jesus, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. He said, it's going to be worth it all because I love you, and I love you, and I want to be with you. And if we can begin to have a vision, when it's, Lord, I just need some perspective, what are you doing? Help me to get through this. I want to trust you. Because even though it seems like everything is dark, I know that my Redeemer lives. And then you have peace. He says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give. Don't let your heart be troubled. See, and here's the thing. The enemy has been robbing the body of Christ from messages like this because we shrink back in fear. And we're so afraid of what might happen. Listen, you don't have to worry about tomorrow or what might happen. You can trust that any situation that you find yourself in today, in Christ, you have everything you need for victory. And you don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid to read these words and say, Lord, help me to know you in this way. And when you're in there, Lord, I'm experiencing something you have not known before. There's such a sweetness and intimacy in those hard places. And see, that's the thing is he said, you know, you're, we're, we're in the world. We're going to have trouble. Why do we get so surprised? Paul learned to have rest and contentment in every situation. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. He says, not that I speak in regard to need. I have learned that whatever state I'm in to be content. There is a place in Christ, no matter what's going on, that we can be content. And I'm not, I'm not satisfied. You hold on to what he's promised, but you're not pushed in this um, soulish, fleshly realm. 
You know, but I'm going to be content. I'm going to trust the Lord. He is my Lord. He's my portion. He's my shepherd. He, I can trust his leadership. I can, I may not understand. You know, it's like those three, I'm not going to bow down. He will deliver me. Even if he doesn't, I'm not bowing down. <laughs> Whatever state I'm in to be content, I know how to be debased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I've learned to be full, to be hungry, but to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. First Peter 1, 6 through 9, in this re- greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. The genuineness of your faith, let me tell you something. After walking through a few things, I can say my faith has grown. You know, and it's okay. Like I, 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 I am enjoying the process with him and I'm not where I want to go, but I'm not where I was yesterday. And our, our, when we're in those hard places, the last thing we want to do is rejoice. Our flesh doesn't. But when you begin to go, God, my well-being doesn't depend on any of this, but you and me. Then I can rejoice knowing that if for a little while I'm grieved by various trials, that my faith is being much more precious than gold. It may be tested by fire, but be found to the praise and the honor and glory and the revelation of Jesus. You know, I'll close in this. Years ago, it's probably been, you know, me closing might be five minutes. <laughs> but years ago, I was um, preparing to do a um, women's Bible study up at Laurel Ridge. We were living at the Weaverville at the time, so it's been probably 10 years. And that week, early in the week, I knew it was coming. And so I began to pray. And I began to say, Lord, you know, what is it you have for these ladies? And he said, I want you to talk about abundant life. I'm like, sweet. I mean, who doesn't want to hear about abundant life? Come on, let's be real. You like abundant life? I'm like, okay. And he said, John 10, 10. The enemy comes in to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you would have life and life abundant. And so I'm ready to like dig in, you know, and like, like get in the scriptures and break it down. He's like, don't leave this verse. I'm like, okay. So I'm just meditating on that verse. I've come that you'd have abundant life. All week long, he would not let me leave that one verse. I don't know if you notice, I love the word of God. I love to like see like scriptures and tie it together. One verse. I'm like, I'm not going to have too much to say. (laughs) I wake up that morning with my one verse. And he said, would you like to talk about abundant life now? Yeah. Yeah. He said, okay, I'm going to tell you where you're going to go, but I don't want you to read it until you get there. He's talking about, it, like, this is like out of my, I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow you. He said, you're going to start at Acts 16, 16. But don't read it till you get there. 
I didn't know what Acts 16, 16 was. So I get there and I tell the ladies, just like I'm telling you, we're going to talk about abundant life today. And Jesus says, the enemy comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. But he comes that we have life and life abundant. And we're going to read Acts 16, 16, because he says this is what abundant life is. So open my Bible. You ready? I'll read it to you. It happened. And so we went to prayer. There was a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination that met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune teller. And this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. It's a mocking spirit. It's a spirit of divination. And she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of here. And he came out of her that very hour. And when her master saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. And they dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates. And they said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And then they teach customs which are not lawful for us. Being Romans, to receive or observe. And then the multitude rose together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and they commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. That at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Could you imagine? They were just doing kingdom business. They were just following Jesus where he led them. And kingdom came and this young girl who had been tormented with a demonic spirit had been freed. But the people that were making a profit of her didn't like it, and they created an uproar. And Paul and Silas, they weren't just put in jail. They were beaten, and they were stripped, and they were taken to the inner of the prisons and enchained Could you imagine, like, wait, we have a choice here. We could be offended. 
with God. We say, why'd you let this happen to me? We're just doing what you said to do. Or, oh my goodness, this hurts so much. I can't even reach the place that is so painful. Or we can trust God. God, you're good. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't feel it. But I know you're good and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. You're good. You're good. Your goodness never fails. You're so good. You're so good. Your mercy never fails. You're good. We just praise you. And they are having a praise service, the two of them. And all the prisoners are listening. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. That's abundant life. And the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself. And Paul called with a loud voice and said, Do yourself no harm. We're all here. And he called for a light and he ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your household will be saved. See, sometimes we may not understand, but if we can come back to that place of, I'm clinging to this cross, and you are good, and I know your resurrection life is coming, and I know that you have a purpose and a plan, and I don't understand, but I will follow you. And even if I don't understand, I will trust you, and I will praise you. And it's painful, but... I can fellowship with you because you know pain. And this is only a blip in the screen of eternity. And you care for humanity so much that you lived here. And so teach me how to live here and to be a vessel, to let your love come from in the workplace and in my neighborhood and wherever you lead me, whatever it looks like, help me to look for opportunities in this moment. What is the cross? What does it look like to pick up my cross and follow after you? Because wherever you go, you're going to lead to abundant, rich life. And chains are going to be broken and people are going to be set free. Trust Jesus. Follow Jesus. That's the question. Will I trust him? Every moment. We had a situation this week. I mean, it's become a part of our regular daily conversation. Well, we're going to trust him or not. I mean, is he who he says he is? If not, we might as well just go. Well, I don't know where home would be. That's here's home. But you know what I'm saying? Am I going to trust him? Or not? Am I going to trust him or not? Could you imagine if all the people called upon his name really begin to trust him and follow him? Am I going to trust him? 
Paul said, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. And see, the thing is, most of us will not be called, though we might, to a physical death. But we are called to die daily to ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him. Paul says, Philippians 3.7, stand up. I'm just going to close with this. I'm just going to give you an invitation. I'm just going to read this. And if there's anything that the Holy Spirit's been, see, that's the thing is like, I'm just, I'm being obedient to what he said. And, and, and I've stepped out in faith. I've waited on him. I've received from him. I've risen when he said to rise. I'm running with him and I'm releasing it. But if you're feeling, God, I don't know fully what you're doing right now, but I want to respond. I invite you. You're welcome to come kneel or stand or whatever you need to do or just right where you are. Because many of us have been on our journey for a while. And that's the thing is like, we don't just like arrive. We will be transformed from glory to glory and we are fully saved and we are fully redeemed and we are fully free. And yet we are being saved and we are being redeemed and we are being set free. Paul said, what things were gained to me these things I've counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having of my own righteousness, which is free from the law, but that which is free through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained, for I'm already perfected. But I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself of apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Father, I just thank you for this body. I thank you that even this morning you were speaking to me about how the nations are in this this body right here, right now. There's such a wealth of gifts and purposes and plans and callings and you see each one of us where we are on the journey. And Lord, I just bless and release each one to be who they are in you and to trust you to pick up their cross this week. Teach us what that means. Just like we've been saying, teach us how to pray. Well, teach us how to pick up our cross and follow after you that we would know the fullness of the power, the resurrection life in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.